Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers-Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. This week, we're brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. Who do we have on the show today? Today, we have Annette Craycraft, Executive Director and CEO of East Central Indiana CASA. We're supported today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. What they have coming up? A virtual lunch and learn. Grab your salad fork and let's go to town. Indeed. We're going to learn how to enhance your emotional intelligence. Ooh, that would be nice. I know. Maybe some people need to sign up for this. When will it be? It is Thursday, June 17th from 1130 to 1. Who's putting this one on? It is presented by Kayla Coates. She is a project coordinator at the Ball State Fisher Center and a certified trainer in the emotional intelligence appraisal. Wait, you can get certified in emotional intelligence? Yes, you can. And, and she's she going to tell you all about it. Yes. All right. Well, why don't you tell me what we're going to learn? Okay. Well, imagine if you could have a skill where in any given conversation with colleagues, clients, or subordinates, you could be keenly aware of and even experience their feelings and thoughts. It's kind of like being in their head. Kind of. Sounds like some X-Men psychic superpower, right? Well, what if I told you that anyone could have this uncanny ability and use its strength in the workplace? Emotional intelligence is the capacity to recognize the impact our feelings have on ourselves, tune into the feelings of those around us, manage our emotions and actions, and interact skillfully with the people around us. Now, when's this going to happen again? It's going to happen on Thursday, June 17th from 1130 to 1. So a virtual lunch and learn Mm -hmm. on Thursday, June 17th. Enhancing your emotional intelligence. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Annette Craycraft, Executive Director and CEO of East Central Indiana CASA. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now tell me about CASA. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children, and we are advocates for children who are abused and neglected, who are in the court system due to no fault of their own. Either a guardian or parent or somebody has hurt them, abused or neglected them, and we step in to be their voice um, during the court process and make sure all of their best interests are met. And Angie knows because she was one of our volunteers at one time. That's yeah. how I met you in, Correct. Uh, yeah. in Madison and County. And when I met her... She was going through the training, I believe. Oh, how neat. Absolutely. So, yeah, speaking up for the kids who don't necessarily have a voice themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, the the parents have attorneys and the state has attorneys, but someone to speak for the kids and make sure that their best wishes are... Yeah. spoken for. Yeah, and we yeah. want to get them into that safe and permanent home as quickly as possible um, because our child welfare system is massive and children linger way too long in it. And we find that outcomes are better for children if they do have an, a CASA or a child advocate. Um, and so it really helps them not only get the services that they need, but also get into that forever home, rather that be reunification with families, which is the ideal world, or if that doesn't happen, a relative or a foster placement or adoption. Yeah, how long you 
been involved in that organization? Oh my goodness, I would say about <laughs> 16 years. Okay. And the funny thing is, is when I took this job, I was unsure and they, the board president said, just give me a year. My predecessor had died of cancer and had, they'd been without a director for a little bit and they needed somebody to come in and clean up grants and stuff. And that was one of my fortes. And so they said, just give us a year. And I said, okay, I'll give you a year. And so I laugh now when I look back, it's like 16 years later. Okay. Now, with your last name, uh, that lends to the political realm. Correct. <laughs> so who are you related to? I am. My father is Allie Craycraft, who was a state senator here for almost 30 years. And then um, my brother Steve is involved locally as well. And I'm involved a lot at the state level. I worked at the state house for about 12 years and um, worked for Governor um, By and O'Bannon and Kernan and in both legislatures and in other capacities. Well, tell us about your political life a little bit. Like I know you've run for office and different things. Yeah, I have. Like yes, I have been. You know, I. It's one of those things I describe to people as I kind of was born into it. My father first ran um, before I was born. And so I basically, I was dragged everywhere with my family. <laughs> and so you just kind of grow up in it. And it's it's funny because I have friends who grew up the same way. And either you turn your back away from it and you go a completely different route or you really get engulfed in it, with it and love it. And I'm the latter. So I really enjoy it. I'm a policy wonk. I really love affecting change and making positive change in people's lives. So that's why I love public policy. I loved working at the state house because I felt like I was able to affect change down there. When After I worked for Governor O'Bannon, he had appointed me the chair, or I'm sorry, the executive director of the Indiana Commission for Women. And I was able to work with legislators on several bills that helped women and kids. Um, one was the breastfeeding and public bill. That was one that I was heavily involved with. The protective order bill was another one. There's many more. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. But I really enjoyed affecting policy that I knew would have a positive impact on women and kids. Um, and then separate from that, in my work life, I'm on the state central committee for the Indiana Democrat Party. Um, and so that's basically kind of like the board of directors for the state Democrat Party. And so I'm involved with that. And I'm their rules chair, which may be a headache when it's said and done. I said they have to put in their budget Advil for me for that <laughs> because there's always lots of questions about rules across the state. Um, but I enjoy that. It's a way that I could still be involved um, somewhat um, and give back even though I'm not working in that capacity. Now, you mentioned growing up. Did you grow up in Muncie or Delaware County? Where, where are you from? Selma. Um, basically, Muncie. I mean, you know, Close you guys get it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Selma. I, I always laugh because when we were at the State House, um, when I worked down there, um, everybody would always say, are you from Muncie or Selma? And I'm like, it's basically the same thing, kind of. Um, but I grew up in Selma. I went to Wapahani High School. And then I swore on everything that I would go as far away for college as possible and applied to several colleges and got accepted. And then at the last minute, I could it decide so I end up going to Ball State. So I laugh because I made this big, you know, to do with my family, like I'm going to LSU or, you know, even IU, like I was looking all over and then lo and behold, I stayed here. Um, but I loved it. I made the best of it and have lots of lifelong friends and stuff from it. Okay. And then you just stuck around. I did. Well, I moved to Indy for okay. about um, 12 years, um, lived in downtown about the last five years and loved it. 
I don't know if I could afford to live in downtown Indianapolis today. Yeah. Um, that's kind of when they were um, revitalizing it and everything else. But I loved it down there. I loved being, I walk out my door and I could walk and get coffee or whatever. And then I took this job. Like I said, it was something I wasn't sure if I wanted to do, but I did want to be a little bit closer to my family. And so I moved back to this area and I bought a house in Yorktown and have lived there for about the last 15 years. So what do you do for fun when you're not working at CASA and on all your other organizations? You know, you send me these questions to kind of think about, and I laugh because the last year has not seemed like much fun. And I feel like I kind of forget what fun is um, because the idea of fun the last year is not exactly what I normally would do. But I love weekend getaways. I like to take trips to go see friends or go to places. So that's enjoyable to me. I love just getting together with friends and laughing, Um, cocktails, dinner. I'm a foodie, so I love to try different restaurants. I love movies. I'm a movie junkie and I really get into award season. So even just going to movies is fun for me. You know, I do like concerts um, and things like that. I just, I'm an extrovert. So I tell people I um, have diagnosed myself with FOMO, um, fear of missing out. So (laughs) sometimes I just want to be a part of whatever's going on. If if friends are going somewhere and doing something and they invite me, um, it's fun. I get energy from people and I just enjoy um, doing that. Um, I also, um, I used to golf. I don't golf as much anymore because I hate to sweat. Um, and am I allowed to say that yeah, on here? You can um, say whatever you so want. I hate to sweat. So I don't golf as much as I used to. Um, I practice yoga, meditation. I like to paint. Um, I was telling Matt at the beginning, I used to be a photographer. So I kind of play dabble just with my iPhone just for fun. But nowadays, but just just different things to, to um, enjoy life. Now, being a extrovert and then the pandemic happens, how'd you cope? Oh, my goodness. You know, I tried to make the best of it. I tried to get up every day and have a positive attitude, mostly because I wanted to keep my staff motivated. I wanted them, you know, because they were kind of getting down in the dumps, too. And I could tell that. So I always just try to wake up and look on the bright side and everything. I, I serve on several boards of directors and things like that. So I think the multiple Zoom meetings that towards the end were driving us all crazy kind of helped me through the pandemic. I don't have children, so I spent a lot of time home alone. And so... So it was hard to get that energy from people. And so having the opportunities to connect with people virtually, especially in the beginning, um, even if it was like a work meeting or something, it still just gave you that connection with people. I did spend a great deal of time, which um, doesn't really help as being an extrovert, but binge watching every single thing I can think of. Um, I watched way too much TV and Netflix and Hulu and everything else this past year. Um, I tried to read some. Um, It was very hard. I had a little bit of adult ADD. I think just from the stress of the pandemic, like everyone else. Um, But it was interesting. And I was so eager to just get out and see. I mean, when I got my vaccine, the first dose, it was kind of like, like the clouds parted and the sun came out. It was just (laughs) like, you know, um, I just, I I just felt positive. I'm like, finally, you know, I'm immune compromised. Um, I have a rare autoimmune disorder. And so I had to be extra cautious compared to a lot of people. And so due to that, I wasn't even around, like a lot of people had their pods and stuff. I had to be careful with that because a lot of my friends had kids and things. And so that wasn't even safe enough for me. Um, So I was very happy to get out amongst the world again. 
Now, during the pandemic, did you, on the professional side, did you see an uptick in cases and things like that? Or? You know, our cases ended up at the end of the year, they stayed about the same okay. co- compared to previous years. But in the beginning, we did start to see a decrease, which really worried us because kids, as you know, a lot of people who call in re- and report child abuse or neglect are, you know, relatives that see them at um, outings or mostly schools. Mm-hmm. And so with so many children being homeschooled, it was very concerning because we new stuff was slipping through the cracks. Um, And so, you know, we did, I will say our work did not slow down, even though in the beginning we saw some new cases kind of slowing off, they did start picking up. And I don't know the rhyme or reason behind that. Um, I don't always see, you know, who reports and and things like that, because that's confidential. Um, But we, our work did not slow down. um, Because even though we have new cases assigned each year, we usually start the year off with about 700 to 800 currently open cases. Wow. Um, and so we, you know, we're still serving them as the new cases are coming in. And so I will say for me as a director of a nonprofit, and I'm sure others out there struggled with the same, it was very stressful to make decisions for what I felt was best for my staff, my volunteers, and my children. And they were always in flux. They were changing day to day, like, okay, today you can't go see kids in person. But, you know, around June or so, July last year, everything opened back up kind of in the fact that we knew, you know, how to do it safely and wear a mask and all that. And then all of a sudden the fall hits and you got to pull people back again. And, you know, a lot of our volunteers were very sad about that because they knew they were that only like kind of like life source for those children like Mm -hmm. they have so many other people in and out of their lives and they're the one consistent person and so they really struggled with that and um, sometimes I would hear complaints but again I had to make the decision that was in their best interest too and a lot of our volunteers are elderly and not only that a lot of caregivers for kids are elderly we wanted to keep everybody safe Mm -hmm. but um, that was a very hard part last year was making the best decisions for everyone oh I bet so yeah now, are there other organizations you're a part of or volunteer for? I'm currently on the board of directors for Open Door Health Services, and I'm their vice chair. Um, and that's been very interesting. It's an, I love serving on boards where I can learn something new. You know, I'm often asked to serve on like child serving organizations and things like that, which I enjoy. But it's so cool to be a part of something that you just learn something new every day. And I think Angie and I were on the um, Indiana Public Radio mm-hmm. board at the same time, and I chaired that for about four years. And I love that that too because it was completely different than my day job. I'm on the board for the Indiana Women's History Association. That's a statewide organization. Um, Hoosier Women Forward, which is an organization that builds women leaders, um, mostly in, you know, in the Democrat Party. It's affiliated with them to get individuals involved to serve, not necessarily run for office, but serve in leadership capacities in their communities so we can you know build more women leaders. And I'm one of the founding members of that. I also, um, with, our, with my job, I serve on the, the Indiana GAL CASA Commission, which is at the Indiana Supreme Court, and I chair our state legislative efforts. So whenever there's legislation we're proposing, or actually this past week, um, starting last Thursday, I was working very closely with Senator Braun's office on an amendment that we were trying to um, prevent from becoming part of the Captive Reauthorization Act. And we had some successes along the way, so it's, that felt good at the end of the week. But I also you know, oversee those efforts, and that keeps me busy. 
busy. And it helps me stay connected to the state house, which says that was something I enjoy as well. Sounds like you're busy, busy. I do. You know, I do like to be busy. I always say I want to be, um, what's that phrase? Um, when I die, I want to be used up or, or whatever. Like I want, since I don't like to sit around too, and I like to get energy from people, I just don't want to sit at home, you know. Uh, although I will say during the pandemic, I found a new um, appreciation for my house. I always called it my um, hotel room. Like I slept and ate and showered there and that was about it. And spending so much more time there, I did learn a new appreciation of, you know, it's it's a it's great to have that. A lot of people don't, you know, aren't able to own a home of their own and um, I should take advantage of it more often and stuff. So I, I did learn a new appreciation. Now, how would you describe your purpose in life? Because you've got a political aspect, you've got a nonprofit aspect. Like, what's the what's the common denominator for you? I feel weird talking about my purpose in life. I don't know why. <laughs> Everyone does. It's that just okay. seems odd. Like, you know, because you don't sit around and just ponder it daily. Um, but I do think helping people, I think making the world a better place, as cliche as that sounds, you know, and again, impacting the world for good, making positive changes in our community, um, whatever that may be. And usually working with policy, rather it be my job or my other, you know, side of my, my other life, um, I try to do that. I try to, you know, make positive changes. Um, and so I feel like maybe that may be my purpose in life. Um, also just giving back to the community, volunteering. I, I, you know, I volunteer, I have it in the last year, but at American Protection League spay and neuter clinic once a month and things like that. So just volunteering and giving back to, um, I just feel like that for me is really important. And I wish more people saw the, the importance of that because everyone needs volunteers and help right now. So tell me something that's on your bucket list. My bucket list is pretty boring. Like, you know, you hear people that want to <laughs> jump out of a plane, and that's not me. I don't want to um, do that. <laughs> no. You know, I was trying to think of something adventurous once that I would do, and I maybe would repel down a tall building. You know, that might be about as far as I would get for something super adventurous. I would like to travel more. I would love to go to Thailand. I would love to go to Croatia. Like, not, I mean, of course, I would go. If you offered me a ticket, I would go anywhere right now. After being at home, the last year I'm just excited (laughs) to go to Indianapolis like I don't care Um, but I don't want to go just the standard places like I want to go those places off the beaten path that a lot of people don't travel to I just have a curiosity for those types of places so that's really something I think is truly on my bucket list other than that I don't really have I, I need I guess I need to think on that I always thought I was too young to have a bucket list but I guess now as I'm inching closer towards 50 um, maybe I need to start thinking about that All right. <laughs> so have you ever faced discrimination in your field of work the main area I think that I have felt it and I think other female nonprofit leaders have felt it is the salaries that we make especially in this region of the state I think down in Indianapolis and larger cities they're a little bit more comparable um, to male salaries but for whatever reason just like in any other profession where women are paid less I see that dramatically in the not-for-profit world and I I don't think it's the board I think the boards truly want to get their people paid what they're worth Um, but I think it's just the mentality like you're working in a service organization and you're helping people and there's volunteers involved so you know surely you don't need a good salary but I mean I'm a CEO of an organization I have a board of directors I you know make sure our taxes get filed just like everyone else and um, not only that you know like I mentioned earlier we have about 1200 kids a year um, multiple volunteers and staff and so that's the area that I really think is discriminatory that a lot of people don't realize. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting to think about. 
And now it's time for the lightning round. Quick questions and quick answers. The number one question, what's your favorite band or artist? My favorite is Counting Crows. Um, that's always my favorite, but I will say right now, I've been listening to Nathaniel Ratliff. I don't know if I'm Ratliff. Ratliff. Or, I don't yeah. know if I'm saying that right. I like him more as a solo artist, so I've really been enjoying him, but always the Counting Crows. Whenever they're in concert, I always have to go see them. Now, you saw them, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, uh, It was you? a few years ago. Yeah, it was fun. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm both, actually. Okay. Which is kind of weird. Um, I can get a lot done in the mornings, um, but I like to sip my coffee and have some time alone. Um, but I can also stay up late. So I guess the afternoons maybe is my crappy time of the day. All right. <laughs> right around 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Yep. Lull. I start yawning. <laughs> yep. And 3 o'clock, that's when I'm like, let me work on my hardest project. So... <laughs> What's your favorite book? The Great Gatsby is my favorite. And I also like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I like, there's lots of new books I like, but those are like my two um, all-time favorites. Have you ever met anyone famous? I have actually. And I was um, I was thinking about this recently. I would say probably the most famous person is the Dalai Lama. That's pretty famous. And he was with Steven Seagal at the time. I actually had to go. I had to go. I was working for the governor and we needed him for an emergency and nobody wanted to knock on the door because he was with the Dalai Lama. And I don't know why, but I was like, I'll do it. And so Steven Seagal is really tall. That's all I remember because he answered the door, I think, as like he was acting like security or something. Um, but those two are probably the most... I've I've obviously have met lots of like former presidents and politicians. Um, probably the person I'm most excited about is Andy Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were on Watch What Happens Live. That's I amazing. know I was on that recently too, and as a guest audience um, member. And um, I actually a friend's husband bought his tickets to go see him in New York this past year, and it got put on hold because of the pandemic. But it was through like a charity auction. He knows how much we love him, so I'm sure we'll probably have a like a restraining order at some point because we're always trying to see him. <laughs> I no, I love him. I think he's awesome and great. What's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is, well, Bravo, the Bravo channel. Like that's just something I have on in the background when I'm not doing anything because it can just roll continuously. And I'm sometimes embarrassed to tell people about it um, because it is trashy reality TV. Um, But that's probably my most guilty pleasure and very good chocolate. Okay. Not just the normal chocolate, Mm -mm. but good chocolate. I mean, if that's all I have around, but (laughs) I'm kind of a chocolate snob. I like good chocolate. Okay. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie, Meet Me in St. Louis, is probably um, my all-time favorite movie. I really loved Annie Hall, but I've been having an internal conflict recently with Woody Allen. (laughs) And, you know, the issue, well, not recently, for several years. Um, And so I haven't seen that movie in a long time because of that, But which is sad because as an artist, he did a great job, but he has all these other issues. What's your hidden talent? My hidden talent... I would say I'm a pretty good baker, but I just don't cook a lot. I, you know, it's, if I bake stuff all the time, I would eat it all the time and I don't need it. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I think people are surprised when I show up with something and it's really good um, because I just, I just don't bake enough. Um, I do like to paint. I, I used to dabble in photography. Well, I started as our, in um, high school, I was the photography I can't even think of the title. Yearbook. 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 Yeah. yeah. And then after that, um, I took some professional classes and kind of did it to make extra money in college, like with weddings and things like that. But I never moved on to like the digital side where I got like all the equipment for that and stuff. But that is something that I enjoy. And I just don't, it, it's so relaxing. I just don't do a lot of it anymore. Do you sing in the shower? No. 
I think that's my time to think. And I always say, I I always come up with my best ideas in the shower. And then the bad thing is you can't write them down. So then you forget them. And I always laugh. I I always tell folks, I think it's because I'm massaging my head while I'm washing my hair that like my brain is being activated. And that's when I come up with my best ideas. Now, someone I know put a dry erase board like in, in the shower, like off to the side where the water won't get to it or whatever and they write down their good their that's good a, shower ideas down on dry erase board that's an excellent idea because i get my best ideas in the shower or if i'm driving because i feel like if i'm doing like one thing with like one part of my brain then the other breath the creative part of my brain can like start thinking mm-hmm. or whatever i don't know yeah i think we need those moments sometimes we don't have enough like because especially with smartphones and stuff where we don't spend enough time i think just kind of thinking and so that's the one time i can do that excellent now do you sing in the car yes I mean, I do. I sing more in the office, actually, when people like I tend to stay late when everybody leaves. So that's when I start singing. And I feel sorry when there's people there and I forget they're there. Um, But I listen to a lot of like NPR and stuff in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can't really sing along with that. But I do if, if a song comes on. Cool. Star Wars or Star Trek? Obviously, Star Wars. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What's your most used emoji on your phone? It's the slapping face emoji. Um, and then the little, it looks like John Travolta, the dude that's like doing the disco dance with disco his fingers dude. out. And then there's a woman who's kind of in a pretty red dress that's like dancing too. those. I use those a lot. Those are my, I'm excited or yay, congrats. I don't know why, but those are my go-tos. I like those. I don't know if I've heard people, I don't think people have no, said those No, you're the first two. one. So good job. You're original. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. Bye. He robs from the rich and gives to the poor. Yeah, Robin Hood. It's also an app, and you have the app. I do have the app. And you are now a stockbroker, right? I'm not a stockbroker. Okay, and first of all, this is not financial advice. Do not take financial advice from me. <laughs> I am not a anything. Our financial planner would probably not approve of this. <laughs> He's probably uh, rolling his eyes back in his head right now. He like, probably oh doesn't God, listen to this podcast. She got the Robin Hood app. No, I told him I was, and he said it was okay as long as you're not you putting like your entire life savings in this or whatever. But you've put some savings in I it. I put a little bit of savings. And you've made some money. Well, I haven't actually sold anything yet. So like oh, right now, so the money I've made is theoretically. Virtual theoretical money. Well, it's real money in this real bank account. And if I sold it today, I would make real money. But I am choosing to play the long game and I am not going to sell. Let me unpack this for everyone. <laughs> so Angie has the Robin Hood app. We missed an opportunity in December I with was the so whole close. GameStop thing. We had our, our young son, uh, one of our sons, come to us and say, hey, there's this stuff on Reddit, and they're saying, buy up the GameStop. Stock, stock and whatever. And I had already heard about, well, I hadn't heard about GameStop, but I had heard about this Robin Hood, and I had already downloaded the app and started the process, but they were so inundated with new requests and everything it took them like two weeks to process my request and by that time the GameStop thing had come and gone and I missed out on that opportunity but I could have made some bank and I was so sad but (laughs) so so I finished setting up my Robinhood app which is just like it's an app where you can buy and trade like little shares of stock I mean you could do lots of shares of stock if you wanted but you could do fractions of stock or whatever okay so I have done that and 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 you started out with a, a stock or two or something like that but then and then there was a podcast. Well, not just a podcast. Well, first of all, so the AMC thing is going 
crazy right now, right? <laughs> so it's a meme stock, which is like all these people on Reddit who are crazy. Um, they get on there and like because of some nerd stuff that I don't really understand. Yeah. We are all buying AMC stock. And so everybody's bought AMC stock. Now AMC stock is like out of control and crazy. And if I had sold it like two weeks ago, I would have made significantly more than I currently have in it. But I think it's, <laughs> but I am still holding on and, because it's still going to take off. Two weeks ago, after you told me this story, what did I say? You said, sell it. I said, sell it now. <laughs> and I did do it now. And she did not. And so I am, I am, no, I'm still up. I've still made money. I just have not made as much money as uh, two weeks ago. But the Reddit people say that if I hold on to this, in two more weeks, yeah. it's got to skyrocket and go crazy because something about short sales and short sh shares, and I don't really understand because I'm not a financial advisor, but they say all those people have to buy back their shares that they've like borrowed and shorted, and I don't understand, but in two weeks, it's going to take off. <laughs> now, you listen to another podcast, which is called what? The Girls, Girls Podcast. Girls, Girls Podcast, which is lovely, but it is very dirty, and don't listen to it if you don't like swears. Now, tell me about the stock daddy. <laughs> So one of the girls in the Girls Girl podcast, her name is Brittany, and she has a husband, and he is also has been doing this longer Robin Hood than you have since like December, so not like super long, but oh, he's okay. been doing this, and so everybody keeps asking him for his advice, and so we have they have nicknamed him Stock Daddy, hashtag Stock Daddy, and so Stock Daddy has now has a Facebook group of his own, and I'm in the Facebook group. <laughs> And she is taking advantage of and, the well, and insights. We, they they share their insights and other people share what they're doing. And it's just a way to kind of talk about it and whatever. But Stock Daddy tells us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time some daddy is going to tell me what to All do. All right. So right now you're up on AMC stuff. I am. It's two weeks to go. Yes. And well, hopefully it's going to go to the moon. That's what they say. Actually, now they're saying to Mars. I don't even know what that means. To Mars. You'll be to buying Mars. Bitcoin next. But Maybe you know some Dogecoin. I have... I have Doge. I don't. Ooh. I don't have Bit. It's expensive. It's expensive, and it's all kind of on a tank right now. So I'm not really sure about that. Okay. But you know, AMC they got so into it. I mean, they are loving these redditors now oh, yeah. because their stock is worth bajillions of dollars. So the um, CEO of AMC is like, I love this. Now he's made a special like app that shareholders like me can download, and like, and I can get like free popcorn and free movie tickets and stuff because I'm a shareholder. <laughs> <laughs> Which I could have gotten with like the Stubbs card or whatever, but who knows? I'm not sure. I haven't tried it yet because we don't go to the movies that often. But you did Robin Hood app. Yeah. Anybody I check can it. do it. I check it every day, several times a day because I'm turning into a crate, one of those crazy Redditors. But yeah, it's well, fun. Well, it's kind of awesome. So well, we'll make see. us some money, girl. I mean, we're not making millions of dollars. Make over us some here, money. But Show me the money. I'm trying. I love the money. Just call me Scrooge McDuck. I love it. Show me the money. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at SchaeferLeadership.com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has gone, gone boss. boss.